I started to think about, okay, well, what are my skills? What are my unique gifts and talents? And so I'm the mother you want to be in the trenches with because for example, you know, we would pull up to the clubs and I would just like politic with the promoters and like the security guards and I would like, fancy if I don't do lines. So, you know, I would cut, yeah, like, you know, I would be able to cut the line with my girls and like, get in VIP and just like consistently, consistent. So I'm like, you know, noticing this trait, noticing this pattern, you know? And I'm like, mm, okay, bet, what can I do with that? What's that called? And it dawned on me, I'm like, oh, that's selling. Cause I'm selling the proposition of you want us in your spot. Mi gente, dímelo, dímelo, what's good? Welcome to another episode of the Quien Tu Eres podcast brought to you by Plural. You already know, it's your boy Pavel bringing you another very special episode with another very special guest. This week on the podcast, we got none other than Lisa Francoeur. Before getting into the full conversation with Lisa, let me give you a little bit more context into who she is. So Lisa is a proud Haitian American and former fashion stylist who is presently the co-founder and chief revenue officer of Crypto Tutors, which is a privately held, profitable and award-winning crypto education startup. She has a ton of accolades, awards, for now, let me just highlight a few. She was named top 50 most influential crypto personalities in the world. And she's ranked number 30 on that list. She's also number five out of seven top crypto female CEOs and ranked number five out of 11 of the top black founders driving innovation in Web3. Not only that, but she's spoken on a bunch of platforms on these and various topics. I mean, she's been at Harvard Kennedy School, Carnegie Hall, Meta, Block, Cash App, A16's Cultural Leadership Summit, Essence Fest, and even Earn Your Leisure's Invest Fest. Lisa's a dope individual who was dropping so many gems on this conversation. Now that you know more about who Lisa is, let's get into this dope conversation. <laughs> All right, so let's, the word authenticity, mm. it's a buzzword. Mm. You hear it everywhere. Mm. But I feel like we often don't ask people what does it actually mean to them? So for you, when you hear the word, what does it mean? Okay, well, you know, interestingly enough, like I have a whole discipline around authenticity that stems from this understanding and like intimate connection to what, I guess the Latin expression is no te ipsum, and that means know thyself. And it's literally one of the most universal, universally noble pursuits. And so if you look at Parthenon, which is the, you know, temple to honor all of the Greek deities, it says, know thyself. And so for me, when I think about what that means, I think about, gosh, there are like 8 billion people in the world, each with a unique genetic makeup. And so, you know, Coupling that with the understanding of knowing thyself, I believe wholeheartedly that there is a unique value proposition associated with your, you know, life. Each of us and our lives, by result of having unique genetic makeup, must, in my opinion, humbly, have a unique value proposition to offer. Yeah. And so when I think about authenticity and what that means, by definition, it means the unique value proposition that you've come to this earth that only you can offer and deliver. Right, right. So when you think of your authenticity, like, how would you describe it? <laughs> well. <laughs> In a few words. Ah, it's okay. Sorry. It's okay. Don't worry about it. I told you I'm super animated. I'm like trying to sit still. When I think about my authenticity, yeah. well, you know, 
like I'm fancified. You know, Yo, as soon as I asked you that, like, you know, yeah, like I'm fancified. And how did you wait? Is that you, did you come up with that? Yeah, that was. Is, do people call you that? Like, how did yeah. you get that? Okay. Yeah, it was so interesting. Like, quick sidebar. Like, I was I participated in like this event at Carnegie Hall in the beginning of the year. You may or may not have heard of it, but it like was to close out Black History Month. And I and you know Robert F. Smith, June Robert F. Smith, who's like the wealthiest African American in the United States of America. The yeah, it's not Kanye West for those. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, LOL. <laughs> I'm trying to keep it together here. Be serious. No, yeah, and the EYL guys, you know, and saying that to say we we had a conversation around like closing the economic wealth gap, you know, for the black community globally. And I spoke about technology and you know, the role that technology plays, particularly given the world that I play in, which is like bleeding edge technology, emerging tech, you know, artificial intelligence. And we'll talk about the new AI, which is authentic intelligence momentarily, but you know, artificial intelligence, blockchain, you know, digital currencies, you know, web three at large. But my point is that I feel like when I saw my name on these like Megatron screens that said, Lisa fancified Francoeur, and they had, sorry, I keep putting that, but they had a, my quote, which I also trademarked. I own Fancified as well. Okay. Trademarked that too. I'm very big on intellectual property. We'll yeah, I've got, a, I've got a couple under my name. Yeah. yeah, you got to. This isn't a game of getting got. Yeah. yeah. I recently trademarked Redefining Professionalism. Yeah. That's what I mean. Understanding the power of ownership. Yeah. But you saw your name up there with some like pretty other, some other pretty big names. Yeah. It was like, I can show you the picture, but it was like Lisa, Lisa Fancified Frank Court, and then it had my quote before that, which was, if you want to predict the future, create it, which I also trademarked. And so, you know, when I think about Fancified, it is like the epitome of authenticity because one, I own it, I trademarked it, I copyrighted, it, I trademarked it. So clearly no one else thought enough of it to, you know, do all that. And two, you know, if you know me, like, it originates from the name Fancy Pants. <laughs> Ironically, I'm wearing pants, but I dropped those pants a long time ago. <laughs> So, you know, it's, it's just fancy. Uh, it, w it was just fancy for many years. I was a fashion stylist too, so it was like super on brand. But as I evolved, I remember like working, you know, selling software, search engine optimization software, and being at this company that ultimately got acquired by WeWorks. But one of my colleagues was like, oh, can you dress me, you know, for this occasion? I was like, okay, bet. She comes out of the fitting room after she's got all of the you know, things that I've chosen for her. And I just, out of nowhere, yo, I was like, you've been fancified. <laughs> and it was exactly, it was just like, I don't know who said it. I know that sounds crazy. But have you ever heard the expression like lightning in a bottle? Yeah. Capturing yeah. lightning in a bottle. Yeah, yeah. And I remember like kind of covering my mouth and being like, what the, what just like, happened? Like, did you say that? Yeah yeah, 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 like lightning in a bottle. I knew at that point, that was like literally one of the best ideas that I've ever had in my life, that I may ever have in my life. But, okay, but... At a young age, were, were you fancied? I don't think so. Well, you know, here's the thing about me. I guess, technically, my first like, job, you know, I was a child model. And so I modeled, you know, when I was like two, three, four, five, six. So, you know, I used to have to, you know, get dressed and styled for commercials and, you know, print work and that kind of thing. So. I guess, yes. However, I was like super tomboyish. You know, we were talking about the triathlon yeah. that I'm doing and I was always very, it was like this kind of dichotomy of very feminine and girl, you know, typical conventional girl expectations. But then there was this like 
hardcore, super athlete. And I'm the daughter of a bull rider, you know? So it's kind of, yeah. So it's kind of, I'm like a walking paradox. Interesting. How did, <laughs> See, so many questions. So, little so many questions, so many questions. How did, so this idea of, of being feminine and the whole modeling and all those kind of things, was that kind of, did your family want that for you? Is yeah. that how you got into that? It was, it was like thrusted upon me. You know, my sister, you know, she is seven years older than me. So she was the one who got discovered. She was the one who was like super into that. And then <clears throat> when I came along seven years later, it was like, well, naturally Lisa's gonna be, you know, into it. And it was kind of ironic. My family's gonna be mad that I said this, but it is what it is. She was the pretty one and I was the smart one. And so we were sort of like labeled as such. And um, our family, you know, I don't understand it now because it's not healthy to be comparing your children. And all right, right. But, but it's so natural. It's Comparison is just like a human thing. We always do it. And my recommendation to anyone and everyone who's listening is to only compare yourself to yourself, which brings us back to the point of authenticity. So, so when you were being compared, how often did you take that? You were like, oh, I'm the smart one. I don't know. What sort of impact does that have on you? Because you remember to secure the jobs, right? I'm auditioning. So there are other little boys and girls that I'm competing with. And so even from a super duper young age, there was always this inherent competitive landscape that I was like needing to navigate. And, you know, thank God I've been able to like kind of reconcile that as I'm not competing with anyone other than myself now, you know, like I'm very clear on that. But suffice it to say, as a youth, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, like it's just about competition. And I think that also encouraged me to be in sport, involved in sports, because it was, again, like an inherent aspect of competition, yeah. whether it be basketball, street football, baseball, softball, you know, tag, roundup, whatever you want to call it. Jenga, like whatever it is, you know, you could get it. Connect four. You yeah, yeah. Super. Don't play board games with you. you I fuck. mean, I'm very competitive, but again, like I'm very competitive against myself. And I think I'm 42, you know what I mean? I'm, I would have never guessed. That's, pe that's what people black, say. Black don't crack. You feel me? <laughs> yes, and a bitch takes care of herself. It's a lot of work. I be telling them, I'm like, I don't wake up like this. You know what I'm saying? Like we were talking the other day and I'm, you know, training for a triathlon, which for the record, I don't have the capacity to turn around and do right now, but it's like a matter of like up leveling. And so, you know, again, bringing the conversation back to, authenticity, you know, when I think about what I call and I have trademarked and developed a, you know, mental modality that has been released to organizations like Salesforce, corporate training for the global enablement sales team, authentic intelligence, the new AI, you know, it's drawing parallels to artificial intelligence in that there is this understanding of perpetual optimization and a challenging of oneself to never be set, never be satisfied calibrated and how I strive to show up in the world and what's on brand for me is to be in a state of perpetual optimization to, to the point around my age. Yeah, you may not think I am the age that I am, but I, that is because I prioritize well-being, but I do. So there's that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What sort of, it's interesting, the modeling. I think there are so many shoulds that are places. Like you should be looking a certain way. You should do this. Do you think there's a lot of pressure on just like, appearance at a really young age? Uh, I mean, you know, here's an interesting thing. 
because I sort of had this like very un unusual experience in that I was like in this world at such a young age and it was very much about how you looked, how you presented. And because I sort of had that exposure so young, fast forward to the world of social media where, you know, visual, you know, it's a very visual world. And I do think that there's a lot of pressure, particularly on young women to, you know, live up to this standard of, you know, PBLs and like- Oh, that's these days, yeah. Yeah, there's- But when you were doing that, I'm sure there was more like a maybe European beauty standard. I still think that there's a lot of like Eurocentric standards when it comes to like beauty, which we could talk about as well. But saying that to say, you know, when I think about the mental fortitude required to not succumb to a mentality that is anchored to a level of superficiality that will have you go under the knife and take risks like putting cement in your, you know what I mean? Like in your ass to make, these are, talk about pressure. You see what I'm saying? So it's like in knowing that this is the world that we're all more or less living in right now. And then having had the like years of like deconstructing and detachment from that as like my end all be all, I sort of feel like shielded from this, you know, need, desire, how do you say? I don't want to be anybody other than myself because nobody could be better than me. And I told you this the other day, it's I rather fail in originality than succeed in imitation. You got so many bars. Yeah, I'm a rapper, I'm a poet. (laughs) That's not my line though. I, you know, I think I forget who said it, but it's a really great quote. You strike me as such a confident person, very confident. And I wonder where that comes from because here you are, faced at a very young age with all this pressure, but at the same time, you're also being recognized for certain things, but not others, right? And it's just, right, like you said, it's, oh, I'm the smart one. You have to obtain to a certain beauty standard. And at some point, like, how do you not succumb to that, like you said? Did you have a really strong support system? What was it? You know, I'm sure my family won't appreciate this either, but, you know, keeping it 100,000, because in the vein of authenticity, I, I, you know, I'm Asian American and I think, I don't know if we talked about this, but you know, my family emigrated to, you know, the United States in the late fifties, sixties, you know, seeking political asylum. And because I can only imagine the trauma, you know, where we were, we, there were massacres, there was a genocide, There's, these things really did happen. And so my family came here under such duress. And so I preface what I'm about to say with, a level of compassion and forgiveness for the trauma being transferred, which is very typical. Trauma not transformed is trauma transferred. And so, you know, the way that I was raised. God damn. I know, let me pause on that. That's a fancy fightism. Trauma, trans, not. Trauma not transformed. Is trauma transferred. That's deep and it's real, it's real. It's real, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, saying that to say it was a lot of my family, you know, was not intentionally, I imagine, but extremely abusive, you know, like verbally and physically, because they wanted, I imagine, to make me the best that I could be, thinking that those practices would perhaps yield that result. But instead, it was very demoralizing and it was very discouraging. And I didn't have, you know, maybe 
the certainty, because I make the distinction between confidence and certainty. Okay? So, you know, I was confident in myself, oh, okay. but I wasn't certain because I was getting undermined. Since I was a baby, like more or less, I had such a different way of being. I was always like, you know, very rambunctious, so much energy. Like I never not had that way of being, right? I, I get you that from tell. you now. Yeah, you can yeah. feel me. Like if I come into a space, the room, the energy will shift. And I'm not saying that in a braggadocious way. Oh, I'm saying it in a, I've got a lot of energy, which is why I got a lot of energy, which is why it's so important that- That's what I people find, have told you before? Yeah, you- But can, you can also feel like you literally walk in a room and people turn heads kind of shit. Like I, I mean, get it. I mean, I don't know. I, let's Maybe, just say I'm I, different. I it's get very it. clear that yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I don't necessarily look like everybody else. Yeah. And I'm a very loving person. Right. You know, I lead with love, right. but also I'm fucking fancified. So yeah. if you look at me, you're like, oh, that's like very, it, I'm different. Like yeah, I'm yeah, eclectic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So my family, make sure my jewels is. This looks great. Okay. They call me the Empress for a reason. <laughs> it's transgenerational. <laughs> but you know, my family, God bless them. You know, like they didn't know how to handle my energy. Yeah. Yeah. And so they tried to suppress it. Oh, yeah. So again, in the vein of understanding the difference between confidence and certainty, mm -hmm. I was confident. I just had this like confidence knowing that I wasn't wrong, but didn't have the certainty yeah. to say that I was right. Or the validation. Or the, certainly not the validation. Yeah. It's very simple. It's a, like a very similar example is like your first parent-teacher conference, like at school, right? Very simple example is, yo, Pavel, amazing student, but talks too much in class, right? <laughs> you got a lot to say. Yeah, meanwhile, Don't be judgy. Meanwhile, I'm just like this extroverted relationship building, blah, 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 right? But what do your parents tell you? They tell you, shut the fuck up, focus on your work, right? And it's not, and it's, well, they just want the best for us, right? And they want me to focus on things and whatever. And also they take authority at a certain level, like a lot of immigrant parents, right? So the teachers, the authority, listen to them, blah, 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 right? And what do you do? You start shrinking yourself. Meanwhile, you feel like you're most authentic self when you're finally able to be that person that they've told you your entire life that you shouldn't be or couldn't be, right? But that happens very often. And to your point, it's like our family you know, does the best with the tools they have, but at the same time, it's often intended because they want the best for us and they're trying to protect us in certain things. That is what, by definition, trauma not, that is what it yeah. looks like when trauma is transformed, you see? Mm -hmm. So I'm not upset at it anymore. I'm not disgruntled. Mm. I've made peace with the fact that I believe that they do love me and did love me. Right. They just did the best that they could with with what they had and mm -hmm. what they knew. Right. And, you know, if I would have not made peace with that, mm -hmm. then I would have been a perpetrator of similar trauma. So going back to the idea of confidence, it's, you know, I've done a lot of like work on I myself. I could tell, I could tell. I love it. I've done a lot of work on myself. And, and what, is it, what does that mean, work on yourself? It means like therapy, journaling. Oh, all of it. All of you it, know, yeah. I think that it's important to trust yourself. So, you know, going back to the concept of know thyself, knowing thyself means trusting thyself. But you got to earn the right to trust you. You got to earn the right to trust you. And so, what I mean by that is the certainty comes from taking chances, taking risks that when the dust settles, the, the numbers, the math, maths. And you see what I'm saying? I'm that where... It's okay. You could curse. <laughs> I'm trying to like hold I'm it back. I'm that bitch. I feel like you was going to say that. 
Oh, but, yeah. um, uh, same shit, my bad. You know, but like the math, you know what I'm saying? Like consistently, like I've been who I am. I've got a very clear vision, mission, values. Yeah, yeah. You know, like it's interesting because I, I like the idea of digging in on, on, on certainty and confidence because I do think your audience in hearing this conversation should walk away with some actionable takeaways that they themselves can implement into their lives. And, you know, I mentioned my age earlier, going back to being 42 about to be 43 in, you know, November, the 26th, if anyone wants to, you know, shout me out, you know what I'm saying? I'll take a cash app. Slide in the Venmo cash app. And it's a why, yeah. you know what I can't stand? Sidebar. I can't stand, if you say you know me and you don't know how to spell fancy fight, we're not really friends. It's F-A-N-C-Y. F-I-E-D. I'll put it in the description. Yeah. You know, maybe it's even a capital Y. Anyways, I, got you. I digress. But what I'm saying is that... But you're talking about these actionable steps. Yeah. As far as you're talking about... So even with that self-discovery, is that kind of what you were talking about as far as those actionable steps? Like, where did, you head my, where did your head go when you mentioned giving the audience actionable steps? Well, let me run it back to... I think maybe I was maybe eight, seven, eight. And, you know, I was growing up in an environment that was like, you know, very, how do you say? It was very like, oh God, this is so like dramatic, but like to some degree prisoner of war, you know, meaning that it was a very restrictive, very regulated, very, you know, oppressive environment. And I would be finding myself fighting every day to be who I am. And- Who were you fighting? Oh, my, like fighting my family for the right to exist and the right to be authentic and genuine. And I'm very like multifaceted, you know, like we were talking about the dichotomy of like, being a model, but then being like super athletic. And you know, you know, I'm, I'm an artist at heart. I'm an artist. I'm very like creatively expressive. And you know, I'm in industries that are very like, I guess they're very, is visceral, the one that's like very logical or, or is it cerebral? No idea. Okay, it doesn't matter. But the point is that I'm in like professionally very logical environments, very analytical environments that have what you call linear thought processes. And the person that I am at my core is very like exponential. Like I'm very like, I don't believe that you have to do A, B, C, D. I believe you can go to A to P. You know what I mean? And so again, this, these very like different parts of your brain, like you're right hemisphere of your brain is very creative you know that's where like the like imagination and that's what that's where it's activated and not everyone appreciates that side which i definitely want to get into because i know we don't have that much time so when you started thinking about career-wise right like we spoke about wait this is really important the reason why i was mentioning the spheres of the brain and the reconciliation of being like right hemisphere oriented but in many ways living in a left brain world because of the logic, the analytics, et cetera, you know, the reconciliation was like very challenging for me. And being in an environment where like it was very left brain and I was a very right brain person, it's, you know, I'm not a lefty per se, but like lefties, you know, live in a right dominated world. So my uncle, God bless him, because I want to talk about the timeline, because this was a very critical, what you call temporal landmark, meaning that this was like one of the most significant points of my life experiences conversations, my uncle was like, you're not crazy. They're crazy. They're the ones that need to like, let you be who you are. And what you got to focus on is reading. You got to focus on learning. You got to focus on being independent. You got to go to college. You got to make sure that no matter what everybody else says, 
you are devoted to the mission because the mission is the mission in so many words. Wow. And I remember that conversation changing the trajectory of my life because, you know, not to be like that, but physically, you know, women in my family are very attractive. And so they could get by on their looks. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's a thing. That's a job. <laughs> I'm not saying that. But you know what I mean? Like you can get provided for, let's say. Let's yeah. put it like that. What, what that the most was not my destiny. One of the most powerful things that moments that I had in therapy wasn't even like a crazy thing, but I was telling her about something and she was like, yo, listen, do you think you're my only client? I was like, what? She was like, you th do you think I, I could pay all my bills with like just you as a client? I was like, nah. So she was like, do you think you're the only one sort of like experiencing these things? And I was like, oh shit. And it was just this moment where for the first time I felt human. I felt not crazy. Right. And oftentimes I think we don't talk about a lot of experiences and when we don't, we feel like we're alone. When we feel like we're alone, we feel like we're crazy. Right. So that validation to your point from your uncle was like, oh, shit, like there's there's a place for me somewhere. And, you know, there's such power and vulnerability. Yeah. You know, I'm a very to a fault, very like honest person. Like my last name, Franco, means pure, honest heart. That's what it translates to. And that is truly like, you know, if people had to describe me. You know, a lot of the times, yes, I hear inspiration and I hear like motivational, but I'm like very sincere. Cause if I said that shit, I meant it. I come from a era when it was like your word was your bond. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, for me, very important to be not just authentic, but do my best. I'm not perfect, obviously, to honor my word. And, you know, having had that experience as like a kid, with my uncle, Uncle Mario, everyone knows about him, that knows me. Talk about him all the time on, on, you know, in these conversations. But that conversation changed the trajectory of my life. And I can see how, by virtue of having had someone kind of intervene and give me the validation, what I realized was that, <laughs> this is a quotable, fix mine before I deliver this bar. All geniuses are crazy. Yeah, that's but a fact. Yeah. not all crazy people are geniuses. Oh. I, as you get this conversation from your uncle and then you start exploring, you know, various industries and careers. I didn't explore. This is probably not the smartest way to go about it, to be honest. But I just was very artistic. And in like college, you know, people, you know, I used to have all different color hair. Like I had like half pink hair and half black really? hair. Oh, I was that broad. Oh, I got to like, see these pictures. Yeah, it was kind of crazy. My mom would be like ashamed to be around. Do me. they still exist or you just deleted them all? This deleted. This is like when <laughs> pictures were like a real, like tangible thing. Like, like you handed in CBS or you your know camera what I'm saying? roll. You yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? That was the kind of era. But you know, I had all kinds of crazy color hair. I told you I was like very creatively expressive. I believe your body is your canvas. You know what I'm saying? That's always been my MO. So people were like, you should be a fashion stylist because you'd be perfect. And I didn't really understand. I was like, okay, what does that mean? It's you get to play dress up, you get to put people in looks and you know, later brand, a part of their brand architecture. So I was like, okay, bet that makes sense. Just like how creative I am in this capacity. So, you know, I'm trying to pursue that as a career. And, you know, I got to work with some incredible people, you know, Shakira and Alicia Keys and like Lil Wayne and, you know, some, you know, at the time, especially megastars, Paris Hilton. Yeah. But, you know, like I wasn't merely making money like that. And, you know, I'm like, I'm from New York. Like I'm in New York City trying to live my life and, you know, hello. And do I look, you know what I'm saying? I'm <laughs> You're fancy. I'm you got to live up to that lifestyle. You know what I mean? There's a certain quality of life a bitch trying to hold down. So again, I was like, all right, you know, I got to pivot. 
And that was important because recognizing that if something isn't working, right. don't be so vested in the outcome that you're not open to the possibilities of either how to, you know, modify or, uh, you know, recalibrate or, you know, adapt, you know, don't be so like closed minded. You, you know, I invite people to be as open minded because, you know, in order to be an Imagineer, you got to be willing to broaden your, the possibilities. Yeah. And it's brave to adapt because yeah. if you stay with what you've been doing for so long, that's a comfortable feeling, right? To get out of that is by definition uncomfortable. So what did you pivot into? Is that when you pivoted into tech? No, I actually pivoted into sales in general, because let me tell you something. This is really important about knowing thyself. I started to think about, okay, well, what are my skills? What are my unique gifts and talents? And so I'm the mother you want to be in the trenches with, because for example, you know, we would pull up to the clubs and I would just like politic with the promoters and like the security guards. And I would like, fancy if I don't do lines. So, you know, I would cut... Yeah, like, you know, I would be able to cut the line with my girls and like, get in VIP and just like consistently, consistently. So I'm like, you know, noticing this trait, noticing this pattern, you know? And I'm like, mm, okay, bet, what can I do with that? What's that called? And it dawned on me, I'm like, oh, that's selling. Cause I'm selling the proposition of you want us in your spot. Like we're gonna enhance. That's a different level of self-awareness is one, but that's like a dreamer mentality of because most people would be like, oh, I'm going to keep cutting the line forever. You said, I can cut the line in other places outside of the club. And you used, oh, how can I do this? That Like, transferable skills. Like, most people don't think like that. I like, to, I like the fact that you said that transferable skills because that's, the, that's like the whole name of the game when you live in a, you know, when you live in a world of perpetual optimization. You have to be, recognize that. What are my unique gifts? And then also, too, I implore you to, also, to consider, how do I monetize? And so that was what led me to, uh, you know, sales. And I was like selling ads. We were talking about you and you're like, you know, programmatic ad sales and whatever. But I started my career in sales selling ads. And this is also really important because I did that for, I don't know how many years, but I remember I had, I was like at an intersection where I started to see the publishing industry beginning to like contract. And I remember being at this like crossroads professionally where I'm like, this is an industry that's contracting, but what is an industry that is expanding? And so, you know, luckily for me, I was able to connect with an executive search firm that specialized in like sales, you know, executives, placing sales executives and what have you. And so thankfully, you know, like they sort of encouraged me to not just do what I've always done. Cause if you do what you've always done, then you'll get what you've always gotten. So, you know, <laughs> So I was like, well, we're not, you know, running it back. You know what I'm saying? It's, unless it's back to the future. So what's the future look like? And, you know, they put, propositioned me with two, you know, job opportunities. One was in an industry publishing that I had known, and I got that job. And then the other was in uh, tech. And this was 2008. This is before Silicon Alley, what they call the, you know, tech ecosystem in New York City. Before Silicon Alley was like really Silicon Alley. It's like the beginning, you know. So I was like, okay, bet. And I went on that interview and I got the job as well. And I was like, okay, I'm at a, you know, like crossroads. What's it going to be? And I said, well, you know, you can't look back and expect to move forward with velocity. So I decided, let me take this leap of faith. And luckily for me, 2008 was like the leap of faith that became a quantum leap because, you know, I did the like startup tech ecosystem in New York City 
contributed to helping architect and engineer the ecosystem. And then get, I got recruited to LinkedIn in 2014, started my career there in 2015, January 1st, January 5th, technically. I still remember where I spent the lion's share of my corporate career. And it's kind of been like, not to say off to the races, because it has not been Yeah, you've done a, a lot of other things since then. Path, but yeah, it, that was definitely starting my career in tech sales, the turning point in my life. How do you think your authenticity was received in corporate? Ha! Well, you know, luckily for me, being in tech, you know, is super progressive and like eclectic, you know, like in an industry where like you got, you know, mofos rocking the hoodies, you know what I'm saying? Rocking like denim and, you know, jeans and, you know what I mean? Like the bro culture. So luckily there was that. And so for me, when I pulled up, I was very intriguing. Let's put it like that. I was like an anomaly. So what was your first day fit? Like it was lit. I mean, you, you had know. a pantsuit on or? Pantsuit, please. No, it wasn't my first day. I don't know. So you were done with the pantsuits at that point? Pantsuit? I never... Never. That was never I mean, done. that was, like, not really my M.O. Well, that, per that's se. fair, because you, you started in, in, like, a... in in. But, no, I was always, like, icy. You know what I mean? I always had, like, my... Yeah. I was always, like, very, you know, progressive. Because you remember, I was a fashion stylist. Right, right, right. So I always had this flair, you know? So there's... And the reason I asked you that is because a lot of people could see you be like, yo, fly fit, where'd you get that, blah, blah. But I think other people may be like, she's doing a lot. She's the most. doing too much. She's doing but why do the least when you could do the most? I agree, right? But then oftentimes, I saw a research study that said people of color in their performance reviews, for example, we often get criticized for our personalities instead of our performance, mm. right? And that could fit into like how we dress, how we speak, all these kind of things, right? That's why I was asking, like, how was it received? Were you received well and embraced? I was. Nice. Yeah. Well, Thank good. you to God that I was in environments that were very like conducive for my authenticity to, to you know, bring value. Yeah. You know, it was additive. And that was because, you know. I'm sure that was also validating too. Oh yeah, that was to the confidence, you yeah. know, like the certainty and like being in these very, you know, like high tech, being in high tech and like arguably being in like one of the most like intellectual yeah progressive industries right. where the you're building the future right. you know and to be received in spite of right. the perception perhaps of you know all sizzle and no steak maybe yeah. you know because you might see me and be like oh okay you know the fit is the, the you know the fit is fitting and <laughs> you know that's dope but you know can she deliver right. and that was the thing like men lie women lie Oop, I almost dropped my shit the numbers don't. So, you know, sales is very black and white. Are you I'm a performer? Yeah. I'm, you know, if you have any questions, go check the numbers and come <laughs> back to me because we could break this shit down or we could keep it moving right. and architect and engineer the future, which is what we're here for. Right. So the, the certainty, I was already confident, but the certainty came from the performance yeah. and the irrefutable results. Over time. And also the consistency mm -hmm. and the, like, fearlessness. Mm. You know, I mentioned that I was the daughter of a bull rider. You know what I mean? My family emigrated to this country under the most strenuous of circumstances. And I'm very connected to my Haitian lineage. You know, I'm very connected and embrace the idea of revolution being encoded in my DNA. Oof. And I always, every opportunity I get to say that, I always underscore the power of the understanding 
again, in knowing thyself, but knowing one's lineage, understanding the sacrifices that my people made for the freedom, which not only dismantled the transatlantic slave trade and brought freedom, arguably, to the masses that look like us, but signified to the world that people of color were not inferior. And no matter what the conditions were, when you've got this warrior spirit, the spirit of one who conquers oneself, not, in only the, not even the sky's the limit. And so I have a moral obligation, I have a spiritual obligation to honor my ancestors and continue to carry the torch of disruption, of patterns that are not conducive to everyone's benefit, especially those that are disenfranchised. Mi gente, that wraps up another episode of the Quien Duetas podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please do us a favor, like, share, comment. Please, wherever you're listening, leave us a rating and review. It's just going to help ensure that these stories and experiences get heard by as many people as possible, because that's the only way that we're going to redefine professionalism. Thank you. See you next time.